Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry, and with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul issues not only a warning, but I think he also expresses his sincere concern for the church that was in Corinth because of some of the problems that it had. No doubt we learned from 1 Corinthians as well as 2 Corinthians that this was a church that had some problems. You might even say it was dysfunctional at times. But certainly Paul, though an apostle commissioned by God himself, was trying to spread the gospel to the people in Greece, in particular in Corinth. Many of the people in that congregation did not recognize Paul's authority, which made it difficult for him to minister. But their situation was so bad that Paul, in chapter 11 of 2 Corinthians, offers these concerns by saying, But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. Now, there's a lot to glean from what Paul writes here, Eric, but it certainly comes across to me that The situation in Corinth with this congregation was so bad that if someone were to come along and preach something to them that was false, they probably would have embraced it, even to the point of believing in what Paul says is a false Christ, a false Jesus. Now, let's think about this. If you have, you would assume, a false God the Father— It would only make sense that you probably have a false Jesus the Son. And if you have a false Jesus the Son, would it not also make sense that you probably have a false spirit? In other words, if you're giving credit to this spirit for something that is blatantly false or wrong, that's not the spirit that would be a part of the triune God that we learn about in the Bible. And all of those would be false. Verse 4 talks about Jesus. It would be a different Jesus. It would be a different spirit. And if you have a different Jesus and a different spirit, then you have a different gospel. In fact, Paul was so adamant about this in Galatians chapter 1, verses 8 and 9, that he says, if anyone preaches a gospel other than the one I preach to you, let him be accursed. In verse 9, he says it again. So we have to understand the importance of having the true Jesus, the true Spirit, and the true gospel. Well, let's put this now in the context of Mormonism. Because many times when Christians are sharing their faith with a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, 
and they are talking about God the Father, or they are talking about Jesus, it's not uncommon for the Latter-day Saint to insist that they believe in the same God that we believe in. Of course, for a Latter-day Saint to admit to us on the streets that they do in fact worship a different Jesus would be a red flag. How can you claim to be Christian while at the same time admitting to me as a Christian that you worship a different God the Father or you have a different Jesus? That's not something they're likely going to say to us on the streets. Though I have had examples of that. They're very rare. Now, church leaders are usually much more bold in pointing out the fact that their God is not the God of historic Christianity as we understand it. And they have said, look, we don't believe in a God of spirit. In fact, some of them have in the past made fun of that. And we don't believe in the same Jesus. You have Gordon B. Hinckley who said that there were critics that were saying that they don't believe in the traditional Christ. And what did Gordon B. Hinckley, the 15th president of the church, say to that? He said, well, there's some truth to what they say. So he's admitting in this one little conference message that he gave that there is a difference, and I would assume it would be a difference that should catch our attention. Well, it would also be true, you would think, that if they have a different God the Father and a different Jesus the Son, that there would probably also be something different about the one they call the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. And that's what brings us to our study in this series. It's based on an article that is found in the June 2023 edition of the Leahona Magazine. That's a monthly publication put out by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's primarily for adult members in the church. That title, Leahona, has replaced the word ensign that it was known as for many, many years. But on page 8, there is an article titled, How Do I Recognize the Spirit?, The subtitle is, To Guide Us in Recognizing the Spirit, the Lord has provided many descriptions of the Holy Ghost in the Scriptures. Bill, based on what we just read from 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 4, I think the key word left out here is true. How do I recognize the true Spirit? Because if Paul is correct on this, and it's possible to have another Jesus and another Spirit and another Gospel, then perhaps the Spirit being talked about in this article is not the same one that's described in the Bible. And I think you're absolutely correct on this, Eric. And how many times have we had conversations with Latter-day Saints, and they will often Put the blame, if you will, blame, quote unquote, on the Holy Spirit for what they believe. And the reason why I use the word blame is because they are saying, well, at least they're implying that it was the Holy Spirit that I tend to believe in that told them that these things were true. You see, as a Christian who believes what the New Testament teaches, I can't draw the conclusion that what they are telling me they believe when it conflicts with what God has revealed is being revealed to them by the same Holy Spirit. It just makes no sense. Jesus said that the Spirit that is going to come, the Comforter that's going to come, is going to lead us to truth. And if you are being led in a direction that's false, that is not the direction of the Holy Spirit that Jesus was talking about. 
And so we have a conflict here. Even though we may use words that are similar, in this case, they're going to use the phrase Holy Spirit. I would use the phrase Holy Spirit. But we can't be talking about the same person when they're getting information that conflicts with what I'm getting, and yet they're claiming what they believe is true, and of course I'm claiming what I believe is true. Now, we could be both wrong. I, I could give you that. We could be both wrong, but we can't both be right. Therefore, when this magazine article which is written by Mark A. Matthews, who's involved with the LDS seminaries and institutes, what he's trying to say here is a guideline for Latter-day Saints to try and recognize what is really a leading from the Holy Spirit as opposed to perhaps your own flesh. Are these guidelines really worth following when the very premise of who he thinks the Holy Spirit is is faulty? I guess that's what we're trying to say here. And this is what we've tried to get across to many Latter-day Saints that we have talked to one-on-one, because admittedly, both of us are trying to communicate to each other that, no, the Spirit has told me this, and they say, no, the Spirit has told them that, and I go back to my original statement, we both can't be right. There's just no way that we can both be right. But how does this article start off? And once again, we should say, it starts off by quoting who? President Russell M. Nelson, which seems to be a pattern we find quite a bit, not only in general conference messages, but in articles in periodicals such as the Liahona. Matthews writes, President Russell M. Nelson taught, quote, it has never been more imperative to know how the Spirit speaks to you than right now, end quote. And yet many still wonder, how do I recognize the Spirit? Let me stop you there, Eric, because I think that question at the end of that sentence is very important. I think even we as evangelical Christians want to know, how do we recognize what really is of the Spirit and what isn't? And I admit, that's a difficulty for me as a fallen human being, trying to recognize what God has for me in many areas that the Bible does not strictly speak about can be very difficult in the area such as, well, what job should I take, or where should I move, or who should I marry, should I buy this house, should I make this decision or that decision? The Bible doesn't specifically address a lot of these questions that we are going to face during our lifetimes. And because we're not omniscient, we're not all-knowing, it can be very difficult to discern, and I really think this is what this article is trying to get across, the importance of discerning when it's the Holy Spirit that's talking and when the Holy Spirit is not. Now, I go back to what the original premise that I mentioned earlier. If they don't have the right spirit to begin with, does it really matter what kind of answer they get? And I think that that needs to enter into this equation. But when this question is raised after Nelson's quote, and yet many still wonder, how do I recognize the Spirit? I would agree that is a valid question. The problem I'm going to have, though, with this article is even though there are some things in it that I can agree with, there are some things in it that I cannot agree with. Because I think that information comes from a Spirit that is not the Holy Spirit of the Bible. 
And this is why we're talking about two different worldviews here. But when Nelson says it has never been more imperative to know how the Spirit speaks to you than right now, this, of course, doesn't give us the context of that statement. But I'm wondering, well, what does he really mean by that? What was Nelson really referring to? And I'd have to go back and read the whole context of that statement. But Matthews doesn't seem to think it's all that important to know that. He just throws it out there. I'm thinking of, as we're talking about this, Bill, John chapter 4, verse 24. We like to use that oftentimes when we want to show that God does not have a body of flesh and bone. But listen to what verse 24 says. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. It goes back to what I had talked about earlier. If we have a false Jesus, we have a false spirit, we have a false gospel, then it's worse than anything else. I mean, as far as having the, the true God, the true spirit, and the true gospel, that is, that is key. And so I appreciate when he goes on and says, this is a question he's been asked repeatedly as a teacher at the Missionary Training Center for Seminaries and Institutes and at Brigham Young University. Well, that means that there are a lot of people who want to make sure they know what it is. And I think what we're going to talk about this week has a lot to do with God's Word, the Bible, and making it correspond to what is truth and reality. Tomorrow we're going to continue looking at this article written by Mr. Mark A. Matthews, titled, How Do I Recognize the Spirit? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.